Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 788. Today, we are continuing our look at the short stories from Star Wars Insider Magazine with two by Alexander Freed. That would be 1,000 Levels Down and The End of History. Punch it, Chewie. Hey, I'm Anthony Bresnikan, covering the Star Wars Galaxy for Entertainment Weekly, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and it occurred to me a little bit after the fact, perhaps, that I should probably issue a spoiler warning here just in case and say that nothing's off limits when I'm talking about the stories from Star Wars Insider Magazine. A lot of these have been out for a while, a year or more, and as we go through the series, we're probably going to get closer to publication date by comparison, but it's still going to be a spoiler-filled podcast talking about all these stories. And if you're not a subscriber of Star Wars Insider, but you're curious about the stories that are being told in the new canon, well, then you are in the right place. And the Alexander Freed stories that we're looking at are 1,000 levels down from issue 151 of Star Wars Insider and the end of history from issue 154. Now, why the jumps? First of all, they don't have anything to do with each other story-wise. The only thing they have in common was the fact that they're published in Star Wars Insider and they're authored by the same guy. And we skipped 152 and 153, those issues of Star Wars Insider, because those issues, for their fiction, contained excerpts from A New Dawn and from Tarkin. You remember those two novels, I assume. And if I'm wrong and you don't, well, those are the first two novels that came out as part of the new canon reboot in September and November of 2014. So, 1,000 Levels Down tells the story of two young kids, 16 and 8 years old, Nandra and Santiago Malone of Alderaan, actually, and they are second-generation immigrants to Coruscant from Alderaan. The story takes place not long after the Death Star blew up Alderaan, so this puts us right in zero BBY for all intents and purposes. Right in the middle of A New Hope, in fact. And the gist of the story is that the two youngsters are on the run from stormtroopers and the underworld police. The issue is is that once Alderaan was blown up, stormtroopers started coming around the level on Coruscant that had been settled by Alderanians and started detaining people and looking for rebel spies and all this, that, and the other. And eventually the mother got the children to supposedly get away and arrange to stay with somebody while she managed to hook up with them later and they would get off Coruscant, but it didn't work out that way and the mom didn't show up. And the person that she tried to shuffle them off to said, yeah, I can't help you, sorry, and said, maybe there's a smuggler down a few levels that can help you out and so on and so forth. And they end up having to go down deeper and deeper into Coruscant, and that's where, of course, the 1,000 levels down comes from. But eventually they find shelter in a junkyard level, and that level is populated by a bunch of other species of folks who have had some sort of terrible thing happen to them at the hands of the Empire, including Mon Calamari and other races and species and so on and so forth. 
It's a very small story, per se. I mean, it's really focused on these two kids, and yeah, you get a little bit of the backdrop of galactic events, but definitely very narrowly focused. And yeah, it struck home for me a bit. I mean, of course, it probably doesn't hurt that I have a near 14-year-old and a near 9-year-old, so <laughs> thinking about the two of them possibly on their own without their parents, yeah, yeah, I can feel that a bit. And then his other story is called The End of History, and it starts off pretty slam-bang with a starship crashing onto an otherwise unoccupied moon. At least the Imperials believe it's unoccupied, and it should be. But apparently the pilot who crashed lands here knows that a person named Antron Bach is living there. It turns out that his name and information were in some old resistance files. She's part of the Corellian resistance, and she's trying to get word to folks on Corellia that the Empire is just on the verge of a purge of a bunch of rebel cells, and if she doesn't get the word to these folks, then they are going to be toast. And the story puts an immediate ticking clock into play when the pilot, Miru Nadranakar, yeah, that's a mouthful, says that she took out the engines on an Imperial frigate in orbit above the place and that they have about three hours before the frigate comes looking for them. In the meantime, TIE fighters are flying around trying to find her and Imperials have landed on the planet looking for her, but... She's able to hide, thanks to Antron, in this incredible trove of Jedi artifacts. It turns out that Antron was an antique dealer, and he is preserving what he can of the Jedi for future generations to remember. And they don't identify the location of where this is, but they do say the Geonosians had colonized the planet and left it not too long after. So you could jump to a conclusion or two. You could think to yourself, well, the Geonosians would probably try to colonize a planet or a moon that was comparatively nearby, so you would suggest that this is still in the Outer Rim territories where Geonosis is. And then you would jump from there to say, well, heck, Miru has quite a long way to go since Corellia is a core world, and so she would have to jump from the Outer Rim all the way to the core in a day to get word to Corellia about this purge of rebel cells. And the dynamic that the story revolves around is the fact that each one wants to do something that is going to cause problems for the other. Miru needs a ship to get back off planet so she can warn the Corellians, but if she does that, then she's going to reveal to the Empire that there is some sort of colony on this moon, and they will come searching and burn it to the ground, which will ruin Antron and everything that he's worked for, not to say anything about losing his life in the process. And so ultimately Miro decides that she's going to try and work something else out and help him protect all of his artifacts and all that stuff that he's managed to store and keep for posterity. But ultimately, he decides that the Jedi were more concerned with people than with things, and he tricks her into going into the hangar bay, even though she said she's going to honor his wishes and help. He gets her out of the hangar bay and off on her way. Now, we don't necessarily know the fates of Antron and Miru as a part of all this. There's bombing that's happening that Antron is being subjected to toward the end, and Miru, of course, is having to limp away on a spacecraft that is probably less of a hot shot ride than the one she was coming in on. So I guess we are in cliffhanger territory, and there hasn't been a new one to follow up on it in any of the Insider magazines. There is also in the story... Uh, bit of a name drop situation here for Jedi Masters and also for a Sith Lord as well. Antron, who is steeped in Jedi lore, is often thinking about things that he has read or encountered in his Jedi archives that may pertain to the situation at hand, including things like Jedi Master Vonkel managed to befriend the Sith Lord of Garm, G-A-I-R-M. 
Now, that's the only Sith Lord mentioned, but there is a Jedi Master Vazuro, Z-H-U-R-R-O, mentioned. There's another one, Master Uvel, U-V-E-L-L. And you can tell, generally speaking, that this has to be happening in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, but you don't necessarily know when, and Alexander Freed doesn't necessarily know either. Somebody tweeted him to ask, and he said he thinks it's roughly around 10 BBY, give or take a few years. So it happens in that fertile time when resistance cells are starting to crop up. You can say that much for sure. And that's going to do it for our looks at 1,000 Levels Down and The End of History by Alexander Freed from Star Wars Insider, issues number 151 and 154. I've got one more thing to do with you after the break, and that's your trivia question. Hang on. Hey, Rebel Rouser. You're listening to this podcast. Maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story, too. Luckily, we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash SW7X7. All right, let's get that trivia question out here for you. May the Force be with us. Last time we asked you what duo could be seen hugging away from the celebrating crowd on Dakar after the destruction of Starkiller Base, and that's Leia and Rey. Today's question, what's different about the explosion of Starkiller Base as compared to the explosion of both of the two Death Stars? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you impersonate a deity, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not against your programming, it's Destiny Unleashed. podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.